Jeff Jarrett, Joe Siddle, TJ Laramie, and Holy Mackinac, you're listening to Win City Sports. Yo, what up everybody? My name is Drake Demore, and thank you for streaming or downloading this episode of the Win City Sports Podcast. Windsor's only local sports radio show and podcast. The radio show airs live on CJAM 99.1 FM every Thursday at 12.30 and replays on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. But you can catch every single episode of the Win City Sports podcast featuring full uncut interviews wherever you're listening to it right now, but anywhere podcasts are found, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all that social media. We'll tell you how to access that at the end of the show again as well as the podcast, as we normally do. But today is Thursday, October 24th, 2019, and it's episode 168 of Win City Sports. And this week on Win City Sports, we're yet again going back to some Windsor Spitfires alumni. A little bit different this time, we are talking to a former coach. Um, he coached the team for a very brief stint, and something that we've done here on the show in the past, um, what we like to do is we like to do interviews with athletes, coaches, from Windsor or people who maybe spent time in Windsor or, or any uh, any correlation, any connection there. So we have a former Windsor Spitfire coach who was only there for a short time because he was there during another topic that we like to talk about sometime here on the Windsor City Sports Podcast, depending on our guest. We have a former guest from uh, the Windsor Spitfires around 2004, 5, 6, that era. One thing that usually comes up is a, a pretty well-known incident if you're a hockey fan or a Spitfires fan. Um, and if you don't know, uh, do a little research. It certainly is something um, worth reading about, I suppose. Um, 2005, Akeem Aliou and Steve Downey got into a fight on the ice uh, with each other, teammates, in practice at the Windsor Arena, the barn. Uh, it was captured on mainstream news in uh, sports, and, and aside from that, because it all stemmed from a hazing incident um, that was between uh, Akeem Aliou, he was a rookie at the time, and Steve Downey, who was the captain of the team at the time. Ultimately, and uh, kind of jump ahead, ultimately due to all of this, it, it completely shift, shifted the, uh, the foundation of the Windsor Spitfires organization. A lot of moves were made both on the ice and off the ice, and eventually it, it got into a different ownership with Bob Bugner, Warren Reichel, uh, Peter Gilbrich, and uh, the Cypher group there, and that kind of sparked a change changed the team in general um, on a positive note and ended up running away and uh, winning two Memorial Cups, two OHL championships, got a new arena, and it all kind of stemmed from this incident. Now, the individual we're talking to today, this is the longest I've ever ran on about a topic in the first couple minutes of the podcast here, but we're talking to the coach from that time. It's Mo Mantha. Mo Mantha was an NHL player. He played with some he literally played with the greatest of all time. He played with Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, just to name a few, Mark Messier. And we talk all about his playing career, but then we get into his coaching career, which he's more known for nowadays. Um, being over in the States, he's been coaching junior hockey over there. He coached World Juniors before. He's coaching the OHL. Uh, he's coached national teams for many, many years. So the focus of this interview is not necessarily about what happened in Windsor and to kind of decipher that. Obviously, it comes up, but this is to highlight Mo Mantha's career as both a player and a coach. Uh, he was a guy that, again, he spent a brief time in Windsor and is remembered for a, a fairly, well, a negative uh, a negative story. It's not him that was involved in any of this, and he did take the blame. He took the rap and uh, and took the fall for it, too. He lost his job very quickly with the Windsor Spitfires and, and has gone on to continue coaching and be successful 
and does not dwell on the past, as you'll hear in the interview. I don't want to give it away too much, but um, again, I don't know why I'm talking so much, but I just wanted to give some background on that. Before we get into the interview with Momantha, uh, I just want to tell you about the Windsor Lancers Athletes of the Week via golancers.ca. Now, we don't actually have any new Lancer Athletes of the Week this week, but if you listen to the podcast, it is a segment that we run through on the show here. Every week, I just want to give a shout out to last week's Athletes of the Week, Alessa Getty from the golf team and Jacob Persa from the baseball team, who both made all-star rookie uh, teams, and they both helped their teams uh, pick up championship wins, making history here in Windsor with the Lancers. Check out GoLancers.ca for more information or listen to last week's podcast. Uh, but now without further ado, let's get into that interview with Mo Mantha, here to talk about his playing and coaching career from a guy who spent many, many years in hockey. Here we go. Momantha. And right now on the phone, we have a 12-year NHL veteran, played D for five different teams during that time, and he quickly stepped into a coaching role in the AHL after retiring. He was our Windsor Spitfires coach in 2005-06, and most recently in the North American hockey team for the last eight seasons, and he's now the head coach of the St. Cloud Blizzard. Momantha, welcome to the show, man. Jake, thanks very much for having me on the air. Absolutely, bro. So, there's a lot of places we can start, but uh, I think I'm just going to go through uh, your careers that happened. Born in Lakewood, Ohio, uh, but ended up in the GTA somehow playing for the Streetsville Derbies before moving up to the OHL there. Uh, it was then the OHA, Toronto Marblows. And uh, so how did you, uh, you kind of end up in Toronto? I know for people that don't know your dad, Mo Senior, uh, he was a player as well, and he's from North York. So did you guys kind of just move back home or were you recruited yeah. out to Toronto? Yeah, no, my uh, my dad was a say he was a former player. At the time I was born, he was playing for the old. We used to have a contract with the Montreal Canadiens, and as he got older, uh, back then they had about 165 guys on the contract. And anyways, I sent my dad out to uh, Cleveland, and uh, with the old Cleveland Barons in the old Mary Hockey League, and that's where, of course, that's where I was born. And for the hockey season, I was I wouldn't say I was an Army brat, but I was a rink brat, or wherever my dad went uh, in his hockey career. Uh, the family always followed him, and uh, so when we finally retired, we always we always went back home in summer times, back up to uh, Northern Ontario, up by North Bay, Sturgeon Falls, and um, so that's kind of where the, where the roots are. And then, as it turned out, the reason why I went down to Toronto is that back then in Northern Ontario there wasn't really much exposure for the hockey players up there, and I was uh, convinced by a gentleman named of, one of my guys. I, I learned a lot from the game too. It was a guy named Tom 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 Barrett who was the coach with the Streetsville Derbies. And like I say, I left home when I was 15 years old to uh, move to Streetsville. And uh, Mr. Barrett, uh, you know, one of those uh, being 15 years old became a, became a almost a father figure. We living away from home, and as it turned out, uh, got drafted six overall in the, in the entire hockey league for the draft uh, to the Toronto Marlies to, to a gentleman named Frank Vanello and. Uh, the rest is history, then. So it's kind of where I got my, where where I got my connections uh, around the Toronto Marlies and Streetsville Derbies. Where I I spent three years of uh, learning how to be a hockey player and be a player, be a person away from the ice from, from Tom Barrett, and Frank Vanello. It's pretty cool, man. You had hell of a career too yeah. in the NHL. He started off with the Jets for four seasons before you were traded off to Pittsburgh for Randy Carlisle. Had to been quite the experience playing with Mario Lemieux for a better part of four seasons. Yeah, you know, everybody always talks about how Mario first came into the league, and and, uh, and I think probably the maturity of figuring it out. But he was uh, at that time when Mario came at 19 years old. Uh, you know, you could see the you could see his talent, his God-given talent, and 
one of those powerful Divi with the puck. He, you know, I don't have to speak for the rest. His career speaks for itself. But uh, it was a fun, fun, fun process uh, playing there for the three years there and watching Mario develop into a to eventually a Hall of Famer. And then it got potentially even better for a season there. Uh, you're traded off yeah. to, to a trade involving Paul Coffey and Dave Hunter. Then you get over to uh, Edmonton there with Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, and Jerry Gurry. Although it was only 25 games, how was that experience? That, that was, I'll tell you, I mean, even though a short period of time is one thing, I, I tell them a lot of stories. One thing about meeting with, first time talking with Wayne, and even Mark Messier was, they always say we're not going to lower our standards to to your standards. You're going to come to our standards, and if you're doing that, uh, you practice the right way. You know, you'll be able to handle the better players from the other teams. And you know, you think so, like the like Gretzky and and Mark, and just watch how those two guys always compete against each other in practice, and even during the games, uh, they push themselves to be the best they could be. And um, but it was just phenomenal watching. And the only thing I always used to kind of laugh about was when you used to go for dinner with these guys. Uh, maybe you know you, you just got your your rigor wedding band on your finger and they're picking up the glass and all you hear is cling 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 and they got their Stanley Cup rings on hitting <laughs> the glass every once in a while you know so um, but those are kind of the fun stories but uh, that's one thing I learned from playing with those two guys and the rest of the Edmonton Oilers uh, even with Grant Fuhr on that you know Grant Fuhr uh, he he made you a better shooter he made you bear down in practice because uh, he didn't want you to beat him in practice so he made you a better you know made you a better shooter and better just a better player shooting on goalies and overall there's a reason why uh, there's a reason why they were the top elite team uh, back in the 80s and the mid 80s because just the way they, they approached the practices and, and then the way they play the game of hockey it was uh, it was fun to be around and watch that's so cool man I mean you have a very extensive uh, coaching career but one look at your hockey DB and the playing uh, field of it it's just like holy crap like so many big teams and players that you got to play with I mean that's just like tip of the iceberg is just touching on f- fucking Wayne Gretzky and uh, Mario Lemieux. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm, I'm very, I'm very fortunate in my career uh, to play with some very top athletes like that. And you know, the other guy name comes up front now is you know uh, Dale Howarchuk. Uh, you know, play with those type of guys in, in Winnipeg with Dale Howarchuk, Thomas Steen, mm-hmm. uh, Dave Babbage. I mean, those are those are pretty top you know household names. And I was like, yeah, I was very fortunate in my career. And I, um, I wish I would have had a chance to win the, the Stanley Cup, but didn't do it. But, uh, but overall, I was very, very fortunate to play with some very good hockey players, whether it be with the Winnipeg Jets, the uh, you know, Minnesota North Stars, and then you can think about the Philadelphia Flyers. There were some top-end players uh, I was very fortunate to, to uh, play with. Yeah, man, regardless of, of the end result, I guess. Hell of a career, yep. man. So cool. And as you mentioned, you kind of wrapped it up, uh, at least in the NHL, with the Flyers, had a stint in uh, Minnesota with the North Stars, and even went back to Winnipeg also for a bit. Uh, but you played your final playing days in the AHL with the Hershey Bears, it looks like. And then following that year, uh, began your first coaching stint with the same team. So how did that all come to be? <laughs> that was a funny story with the Hershey Bears. I actually retired. I had a I had a knee operation. It was like my third knee operation. And, and it was like, okay, it's time to take a little time to recover and, and and uh, it was like always one of those guys that always stood on the ice and helped the younger players out what it was to be in the NHL. And I was approached by Bobby Clark uh, about the idea of maybe going to Hershey and working with uh, with Mike Eves and Hershey Bears because they had five rookie defensemen down in Hershey. And as it turned out, uh, a couple of our players got hurt on defense and they talked me out of retirement.
<laughs> so the boys got healthy and I came out of retirement I think it was $250 per game I got a PTO professional trial agreement and uh, played those type of games for $250 per game and, and all I remember was like yeah I haven't skated for a while I remember playing those games and coming off the ice and my face would be red as an apple and saying holy cow give me the auction tanks give me the auction tanks please and, but after a while I mean that's that's why I did that with Hershey Bears um, but I was very fortunate the Flyers and again with, with Bobby Clark and Mike Eves giving me the opportunity to get into the coaching um, coaching aspects of this crazy game of hockey <laughs> crazy is a key word there man that's, that's a crazy story for sure <laughs> that doesn't that's not going to happen nowadays unless you're a goalie maybe that's I don't, too funny I don't think too many players are signing for $250 for, for professional trials oh yeah that's peanuts nowadays <laughs> it's crazy yeah it's one shift I think not even one shift yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, most guys. Fuck, man. Man, uh, yeah. so you, and then this is the beginning of your uh, pretty stellar coaching career, man, to say the least. I mean, uh, you started off in the AHL, which most people don't. Uh, a little bit in the ECHL as well, but fast forward a little bit to uh, 2000, 2001. It looks like you became the at least assistant coach of the under-18 NAHL team. Just to name a few, you got uh, guys like Patrick O'Sullivan, yeah. Ryan Kessler, and Patrick Eves. I mean, coached so many great players over the years. Yeah, that was with uh, the U.S. National Development Program, and, and uh, it's kind of nice. When I said this uh, last year, with uh, you just mentioned a couple of real nice players, Ryan Kessler, and, and uh, but the big one always with you know with Patrick Gies, but the other one was last year with uh, Ryan Suter played his thousandth game, and I got a call from Suits saying, "Hey, coach, I mean, they're doing a TV, they're doing a promo for people, and I really like to have you do uh, do a little bit of two minute gig for me, you know, and do, give me a little roast." Uh, so coach it's all about you know be nice be kind words and I really like you to do some and here I am here I am at this age and here we are almost 20 years later in St. Suits you don't have to call me coach anymore he said no <laughs> you, you helped me out and so you think about those type of players that uh, you, you're able to help out with their careers you know they have, they have a, all those players you mentioned they already had God given talent but just a matter of polishing it up polishing your skills that's awesome man that's pretty cool to hear from uh, from a guy like that too right you know you get the world handed to you once you get to the NHL at a certain point, right? So to be uh, kind of humble like that and give back and uh, be respectful to uh, your old coach is pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's very, like, like, I saw his number. I mean, I still had his power ID because I talked about other stuff over the years, but I saw his suit's name come up. I said, okay, what does he want now? He wants <laughs> to go on a fishing trip or uh, go, you know, he has a rink over in Madison, Wisconsin. And, you know, it was about doing, just doing a, doing a, a tribute for him for his hockey career playing thousands game in the NHL it's kind of nice yeah he's usually bugging you asking for something eh <laughs> <laughs> well to be honest there's another story behind that where I did coach uh, when Seats was 17 years old and mm-hmm. we were in Amsterdam coming through an airport and he wanted to buy gifts for his parents and he didn't have money on so I lent them I lent them some money to, to go and buy it and I thought maybe he was calling me back to finally pay me back <laughs> the money that I lent them you know for coaching the team no it wasn't for that but no, very good, very. That whole national development program was a, was a special place for a lot of boys to come in and figure they, they come in as boys and they'll come out as men because it's a mm-hmm. special place where if you want to be a hockey player, that's the place to go. Absolutely, man. That's that's very true. And and not only that, just a huge turnaround rate, right? Like you're able to coach so many fantastic players that gone on to to great ranks. And uh, one thing I want to ask you yeah. about um, on your, you know, the the internet out there. And they do have you listed as to the World Juniors, and I believe 2003. Is that true? Or 
that was, was, supposed a, to was be? assistant coach. Okay. Assistant coach, yeah. That had to have been yeah, one of the biggest was, things that you've done in coaching, I mean. Yeah. No, it's uh again you get very fortunate to represent your country in, in a in a world class event. Uh, those are you know, that's, but you're also coaching a very you're, you're coaching at a very um very mystique uh, you know, it's a prestigious uh, turn tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was nice to be part of that and it was it was fun. It was it was interesting. It happens. It, it, so much preparation goes into those type of tournaments, and it happens so fast. You're there and you're gone. It's just like Christmas. You prepare yeah. for Christmas, and then before you know, it's gone. It's the same thing. You, you spend so many months preparing for it, and then it comes. Yeah, it feels the same way for fans. You know, a junior level. It's such a prestigious tournament, and it's like some of the best of the best. Uh, like at that yeah. time, you know, it's some of the best hockey that you're going to see is the World Junior Tournament, and that's why at least Canada is always looking forward to it. Yep. And those players eventually go play in the National Hockey League. Exactly. Yeah. That's so you're you're watching the future, right? Yep. So it seems like you spent a few years there with uh, the under seventeen teams and the under eighteens as well, uh, and then you came over to the Windsor Spitfires uh, for the OHL. And I don't have any specific questions, uh, at least written down here, about the, the whole hazing incident. But before we go any further, do you just want to kind of get that out of the way and kind of address anything that you'd like to? No, no, no. Uh, Jake, it was kind of a tough time. When we went there, it was very fortunate. Like I said, I, I, went to the, I, I played in the Ontario Hockey League as a player, and, and I know the Ontario Hockey League was a... You know, it's a, it's a it's a it's a well established league. It has a lot of going. It's just a no brainer because a bunch of uh, you're, you're you're coaching against pretty top end coaches, and you're dealing with a top end elite hockey players. And overall, it all made sense. So the going there was a great uh, you know a good experience. The beginning part of meeting with the Bill families and the businesses, and, um, and unfortunately, and the situation happened. And uh, on a team bus, and, and but I will say that uh, my two assistant coaches. That were on the body when I say this, uh, they should be ashamed of themselves. And uh, the players, I was a man. I stood up. I would come out and tell the truth, tell their side of the story that none of them have. They've all basically protected their own careers and um, they've moved on. But uh, like I say, all the people, the two assistant coaches and the players that organized that uh, for never coming up to the, the forefront. So that's about all I'll say. But um, it was a difficult time after uh, with me and my family and. That um, you just talked about, you spent a lot of time trying to build your career, and by a couple of guys and players, they pretty well tarnished that, and that's why I say they should be ashamed. Absolutely, man. I, I, uh, I mean, I can agree with you. Obviously, uh, so many people were there, so that's not something that I'm trying to dig into, as we had talked about before. I'm not yeah. trying to, uh, yeah, you know, okay. but obviously that's, uh, yeah, I know, but that's obviously uh, something that uh, is obviously linked to your name, but. One question I have is when you took on that job with the Spitz, as you talked about before, were you kind of looking to make that jump to the OHL and kind of run through that ranking and to possibly move on? As you mentioned, it's a good avenue for people. Is that was that the mentality uh, going into that? Um, no, no. When I, when I was going there, I, I looked out. Even like today, I'm coaching here with my guys here. I've been coaching this thing now. I've always told the guys I was. They had a dream to get to the highest level possible. I'm here to help you teach you a little bit of details, how you work to put at that next level. And that was, I mean, I, I already had, I've already had some NHL, uh, not NHL coaching experience, but I was, I signed three different, you know, well, four, actually six, six uh, NHL coaching contracts in American Hockey League. So it's like, you know, saying I've been there, done it. Mm-hmm. And, and my, my whole idea was going to Windsor was just trying to help, uh, 
better than when, if I did leave, it would be better. But my whole idea of going to Windsor was try to get a bunch of, no different than it was at the U.S. Nationalville program, was take a bunch of players, teach them how to play the game, play the 200-foot game, and try to make their dreams a reality and try to get to the next highest level possible, whether it be East Coast, American Hockey League, or the NHL. That was, that was kind of the way I was approaching it, was try to make these kids better, make these players better on the ice, and better people off the ice. Okay, cool. Because now I kind of see your mentality, right? Like um, a lot of your experience has been in development and junior and on uh, the AHL, ECHL. So uh, that was just kind of my uh, curiosity, you know, yeah. uh, if you wanted to make that jump to the OHL for any reason. No, as I was saying, I played, I played in that league. And, and uh, you know, when you're back then, there were some new top-end coaches in the, in the Ontario Hockey League that eventually did move on to you know, be part of the NHL teams. But... You know, that's a, it was a, you want to find out where you are, it's a whole different, in the Terra Hockey League, it's a whole different beast of preparation for games, preparing for your team, line matching, uh, there's a whole, a whole bunch of stuff that goes on that uh, when you're a competitive person, that's what you look forward to, and that's really another thing I thought about was getting back to a real competitive level of hockey and coaching. That's what I did in the American Hockey League. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and we're going to kind of dip into both of those now because... It looks like right after the, the tenure of the Spitz, you went back to the Rochester Americans there. Um, but right after that, you took a little bit of a break, it seems like. Uh, was that on your decision, or do you feel like you were kind of blackballed because of the whole situation? No, no, it was just about the time taking a break from the game. I was mm-hmm. taking a break. I love the game, and uh, I got tired of explaining myself. Yeah. Uh, every time I had to explain myself, and then you had to show them. I remember when, before Buffalo hired me, I had to show them all the findings. I show them the records of what the RC was here, and uh, you know that's basically they saw what happened and they like, why weren't these guys held accountable? And I always say, phone you have to phone the league and ask that question why these people weren't held accountable. But I think plus there's also some uh, at that time too. I was going to uh, leave, so I was like at the point of your life, I'll be charged and and um, and then take care of the other family issues or the personal personal family matters, but. And one thing I did do is I went back to, I love the game, I care about the game of hockey, and maybe I did lose a little bit of fun um, mm-hmm. of what happened with that winter situation. Um, because I just said, basically, I was hanging out the dry. Um, you want to use the word sacrifice of the lamb, flying. <laughs> um, I got back, there was, uh, there was a couple of people got a hold of me, and you know, get back to get back to having some fun with the game. And I, I went and coached a, a bunch of kids that were nine year old kids and had a rink in, in Michigan over in Bell Tire. And, and uh, I did the stuff with the kids and went to a bunch of manuals and McDonald's or, you know, for, for, for McFlurry or going to Wendy's for a Frosty. And uh, they put a bit of fun back in the game. And I'll be honest with you, Jake, I have all my NHL sweaters. And on one wall, on one wall, hang a set of sweaters that these kids signed for me. And all my sweaters, that probably means the most to me, that these kids put some fun back in the game for me. So, anyways, I think it's kind of a long answer to you, Jake, but that's kind of where I, I did take a leave of absence for a couple of years just to, to get myself uh, recharged and um, start putting the past game. Um, stop having fun with the game and take a step backwards just to back to your roots in the game of hockey. Absolutely, man. That's what it's all about. I mean, you definitely have some uh, specific reason to have frustration and lose, uh, lose some passion, but just like anything else, just like any other job or hobby or whatever, um, you got to have that passion. You got to have fun, and you got to love it. And uh, set taking time away could be can be very beneficial. Um, and yeah. that's that. But that was an awesome story about the kids there, man. That's what hockey's all about, too, right? And you're able to come back to that later. I uh, got on with the Michigan Warriors, spent a few years there, and even brought them to the finals in your first season. 
but you did come back to the OHL for a bit too, uh, midway through the season with the Saginaw Spirit, correct? Yep, yep, and uh, we call it uh, with uh, Dick Garber and, and uh, Goose Gosling, both of the owners of the team there. I, I had a relationship with them before, and, and uh, you know, you think about that, going through with the, the winch situation, and these guys knew who I was, and what uh, they gave me an opportunity to get back there. I knew that I was going in there. Uh, they had some difficulties there off the ice. And I was brought in as an intern uh, to help them get through the season. And you got them into the playoffs. And unfortunately, we faced the Erie Otters, who was, the, I think at the time, they were the number one ranked team in Hockey Canada. So we, we met them in the first round. But that, that they were a very good hockey team. But no, but um, working working with the Spitfires, I was actually, I think, I was scouting a little bit too for those guys up in, up in Northern Ontario. But again, I've always had a had a good uh, connection, a good relationship with uh, with Dick Garber and, and Goose Godwin, and um, they brought me in for a couple of months. But like I said, there was no strings attached. We just try to get the team uh, through the season and get them into the playoffs. And, and they were going to, when it was all said and done, look for another coach at, uh, for for them to have for the full time. I do, and it looks like now you found yep. yourself a good spot. Brooking Blizzards now the St. Cloud. You're in- well, I know what it is. I'm coaching some young boys here. They're the same age as junior hockey, 16 to 20 year olds. But exactly. Working with some guys here that are youth, which makes it fun coming down every day and, and joining. They're, they, they're using hockey to get themselves education. They're, they're very goal oriented minded players. They, they just want to work. They want to be challenged. They, they, they're, like I said, they're, they're looking for using hockey to either get a, a D1 scholarship or go to D3 hockey. And, so there's no, I mean, these kids are very, very good hockey players, and and they're they like just what I just said to you about five minutes ago. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm 58 years old, but they still put a lot of fun in my game. You know, they're still big. They may give me a reason to come down their rink and uh, see what kind of practice we're going to do with them today, or what, what's going to happen for tomorrow. But uh, there are a bunch of kids right now that are, that are they want to learn and, and learn how to play the game the right way. So it makes it fun for a coach to do. That's fantastic, man. That's what it's all about. You know, you don't want these. You want these kids to get an education uh, to kind of, like you said, you're using hockey for education to uh, go on elsewhere after, right? And uh, you don't want to just be surrounded by a bunch of dummy little kids. <laughs> but um, yeah, I know, go ahead. But it goes back to what we talked about 10, 15 minutes ago. Uh, you know, why did I go to Windsor? I, I try to. I always tell the players, like I was very fortunate to get to the highest level possible. All I can do is show you how, tell you how, what's about, what you got to do to get there. Try and make their dreams a reality. Different with, with, all, with all my years of coaching, even the American Hockey League, East Coast was man. Try to be the best you can be, and if you're doing that, everything your dream could come possible. But you gotta be the best you can be. That's same message I teach today. You know. Mm-hmm. That's perfect, man. Because that's uh, kind of where I want to go to sort of wrap it up. I was gonna ask if you had like any goals or aspirations in coaching for the future, but I mean, like you have done <laughs> have done uh, pretty much at all. Um, but it seems like you're happy with the spot that you're at, you know, uh, just developing players yeah. to be the best they can be, right? It's a, I, I had somebody this summer that went back up and we, we have a family business up there up in Northern Ontario from Sturgeon Falls, a golf person. People said, geez, Mo, what are you doing? You, you're like that freaking movie, Happy Gilmore. You go to your happy place. And I said, yeah, you know, I never thought about that. That is my happy place. You get on the ice and you work with players and uh, you're enjoying the atmosphere and enjoy watching hockey and teaching the game of hockey that you love and uh, so I guess that's it the best thing it's a happy Gilmore spot for me yeah, do it for grandma grandma <laughs> that's awesome yeah. dude uh, thank I'll, you I'll throw that way out there on that one <laughs> <laughs> oh that's fantastic man thank you so much for taking the time to do this man it's been great 
Awesome, Jake. Thanks for having me on the air, and, and, and uh, wish you all the best in the future. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Drake Demore here on the Wind City Sports Podcast. That was Mill Mantha, former Winter Spitfires coach for a brief stint, but known for his NHL days as a player and in the OHL, NAHL, and many more. World junior coach, uh, man, the list goes on and on. And a stellar coaching career. Even got to coach uh, Biz Nasty, Paul Bizonet, and uh, and uh, and where am I? Saginaw, in Saginaw with the spirit. Uh, he actually mentioned that on Spit and Chicklets not too long ago, and uh, you know, Mo a few weeks back. I was like, oh my god, no way! Didn't know that I would have brought that up. <laughs> but uh, again, um, just wanted to kind of reach out to Mo, and, and uh, when I reached out to him, I didn't necessarily do it to touch upon the subject of that hazing incident. It is something that comes up here, as we talked about with Jonathan Shaka. And some other guys on the show, I, I can't remember just off the top of my head. I know uh, there's a YouTube video of him talking about it because he was on the ice when it all happened. Um, that wasn't the goal, and I told Mo that, um, and obviously heard in the conversation as well. Uh, it's not something that, that wasn't the reason why I brought him on, was to be controversial and um, get anything like that out of him. I mean, it happened, but it's a guy who, again, coached in Windsor, He's been in the OHL, he's been in junior hockey for many, many years coaching, so I figured let's get him on and tell his story. Um, again, I just want to thank him for taking the time to do that, and um, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I don't want it to seem like we're here for any controversial headlines or anything like that. It is great to catch up with a guy like that, hear his opinion. Um, I, I did try to get Akeem Aliou on before, he did agree, and uh as time went on, we were trying to schedule it, and he said, okay, what is this all about again? And then he said, you know what, maybe not. And I said, fair enough, you know, fair enough. Uh, and of course, the audio messes up right around when he's talking about the uh, whole Windsor Spitfires incident. Uh, basically, if you didn't hear what he said, uh, he feels he isn't the only one to blame. Um, but thank you to Mo, again, for taking the time to do that and rambling on. We have a big weekend here in Windsor. We have a little bit of stuff to talk about. Um, Impact Wrestling, actually, we're going to get away from the hockey news before we get into the spits. We have Impact Wrestling coming back to St. Clair College to team up with Border City Wrestling yet again. They have a set of tapings this weekend, Friday and Saturday, at St. Clair College. They just had Bound for Glory pay-per-view on Sunday, and they're going to be making their debut on Access Television on Friday. And this will be, uh, well, no, I guess next week. And these tapings will be the first to air on that uh network they're switching over to a new network check out aiden prince on the uh, straight out of windsor podcast our brother from the border city podcast network andy sully uh, to tell his story promote his graphic design or uh, business and and the tapings which are coming up on friday and saturday got some big news on the ako fratman football team as they picked up a huge 51 to nothing win in the semi-final over the greater toronto area grizzlies on sunday here at home at the at alumni field they are now going to be taking on the london beef eaters and the ontario football conference final this saturday at alumni field here at home at 7 p.m so go out and support the akl fratman uh, looking to get their fourth title in the last six years and then go on to national championships and for the hockey fans the winter spitfires are at home tonight at the wfcu center against the sioux greyhounds 
Uh, much, much more news on the Wind City Sports radio show today at 1230 on CJAM and on our social media, as always. And we'll talk about that in just a quick second, because that is all this week on Wind City Sports. My name is Jake Demore, and I'm here with a brand new podcast and episode of the radio show every Thursday, which is on 99.1 FM at 12:30, and replays on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Catch every episode of the Wind City Sports podcast wherever you're listening to it right now, but it is available everywhere podcasts are found, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We also have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at WinCity underscore sports, or search up the WinCity Sports podcast. WinCity is all one word, W-I-N-C-I-T-Y. And you can follow me, Drake Damore, on Instagram and Twitter, at Drake Damore. But until next week, smell you later.